Hello, my name is Edward Looney, and you are listening to DNA Discoveries, Stories of Finding Family. Of course, there are many people who have researched their family history, trying to paint their family tree. And today, I'm happy to be talking with Annette Broussard-Boyd, who is going to share her own story of spitting in a tube, sending it in, and sharing how that changed her life. So welcome to this very first episode with a guest, uh, Annette Broussard-Boyd. Hi, Mr. Looney. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for allowing me to contribute to your podcast. Yeah. So, you know, actually, I was going to share this later on, but uh, I've been a part of this DNA detective group for a while because I had done a little of my own story wanting to find help. And I got a search angel who really helped me and everything uh, to find out my own story. So I became a member of this group. And it's just really a beautiful thing to see all of these stories that are being shared and all these other people who are looking for help. And the other day, uh, you shared a little something about uh, a picture of your father, and you said, I found him three, four years ago, and we've been inseparable ever since. And the idea for this podcast had been on my mind for, for about three or four months. And when I saw that post of yours on the DNA detective group, I said, well, this is a story that should be told. And in my own mind, as a person that asks questions and interviews people, I thought, well, what does that mean? In separable and that that you are inseparable from each other and I just thought it would be a great story to share and I'm like maybe this is the moment that this podcast comes to birth and so here you are the person that really inspired me to take that jump and that leap and uh, now we're going to hear your story and uh, I'm sure a very heartwarming story of how you found your family especially your biological father that's a great introduction. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> now, maybe the very first thing, and this is something that I could do for my own self, you know, paint a picture of your family life growing up. And if I was to share, it, it's a very complicated story. I shared about a little bit in the intro to the podcast, uh, the very first uh, upload that I made. But what did your family life look like growing up? Well, I was the first child of my parents. I was born in the Bay Area of Northern California. Um, When I was born, my father was stationed overseas. Um, Both my parents had been in the military prior to my birth. Um, So my mom, when I was born, she was alone. Um, After I was born, she moved us to Texas. She has a large family base there. And when I was about three, my father came to Texas. My mom and him decided it was best that we go back with him to California. So we moved back to Northern California and um, we started life over again. Um, I was the only child in the household. Um, My parents got married when I was about seven and had another son when I was nearly nine. Um, So many of my my young years growing up in the Bay Area, I was an only child. I um, had a lot of friends. Um, I grew up in a a home where I was loved and I felt cared for. Um, And in couple of years after I was nearly 11, my mom had another child. 
Um, we moved to the California Valley soon after that, and my parents divorced. And so, um, all that to say, much of my, my childhood was spent with my mother. Um, I knew my father, um, you know, he was around. Um, but because my mom was so loving, I never really paid attention to the fact that um, dad wasn't always around for whatever reason. Um, but all that aside, I look back on my childhood and I would say that it was a lot more good times, you know, because I had extended family around. Um, we had a lot of family get-togethers. There was a lot of love, um, a lot of great experiences. So when I look back on my childhood, I would say it was great. It was a lot of great memories there. Okay. And, you know, people research their DNA for lots of different reasons. If a person is adopted, for example, they do it hoping that they might identify who their biological mother or their father their siblings, if they have any, other relatives. So that's why they might do the ancestry DNA test. Now for you, as you shared, you talked about your mom and your dad. And so yes. what was it that led you to actually say, I want to research my DNA, I want to research my ancestry. So what was the motivating factor uh, in doing all of this? Surprisingly, my motivating factor had nothing at all to do with my parents. I, when I was a college student, we were tasked with writing a paper about, a rather extended paper about a hero. And so I went to Barnes and Noble and I looked through some books and I found a book titled Black Heroes. I thumbed through the book for ideas on who I could write about and I came across Harriet Tubman. I ended up doing research on Harriet Tubman and it sparked interest in African-American history in the United States, as well as the issue of slavery and the enslaved. And what that did for me is it made me curious about my own family history. And so I started reaching out to elder family members asking questions about our ancestors, you know, how we were connected, and um, just gathering stories about these people that I was learning about. And that was the beginning of my interest in um, learning about my own ancestry or ancestry in general. So then you research your family tree, you're putting all of this together, you get one of the test kits, you spit in the tube, put it in the mailbox, it comes back in the mail now, you get your answers, and what do you find? Yes, yeah, so all of the, when I submitted my DNA to Ancestry, this was many years later. This was many years after my, my Harriet Tubman paper um, because I had you know, a full-time job and three children, I was married. So many years later, I was watching TV and I, you know, over a period of time, I kept seeing those Ancestry DNA commercials, you know, saying how if you submit your DNA, you can find out all of this information about you and your family. And it really intrigued me. And so in 2015, for my 45th birthday, I scrounged up some dollars and I purchased an ancestry kit for myself 
because I thought, oh, maybe I can see, you know, what parts of Africa I come from or, you know, um, what am I made of? What is Annette made of? And that was the only reason that I purchased that kit to see what I to see what made me me was my 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 goal. And so the ancestry kit came in. I remember being in my bedroom. I was just about to get start getting ready for the day. And I got any I heard my phone chime. It was an email with my ancestry results. And I remember opening it. I remember it was a really sunny day. Uh, I remember being in a really great mood that day. And I was just ready to get started. And I opened up my ancestry results and I started reading it. And I got so emotional. Uh, I just started crying because it was like I, you know, just within a few seconds, I unlocked myself and it was right there in front of me in black and white. And I just started to cry. <laughs> like uncontrollably for a few minutes. <laughs> it's very overwhelming to find out your history, to find out who you really are. You know, for me, I have my mother's last name. So yes. her last name is Looney, which I've always taken to be Irish. And I've been to a place in Ireland where, to O'Looney's Bar and Grill. And so that's what I've always claimed. But I always knew that that wasn't my blood. And that's wow. why I did my ancestry DNA test. I'm like, I want to know what nationalities or what ethnicities I really am, yeah. even though yeah. I can still claim it by virtue of my name. So, so yeah. you found out, you know, all that history. And now I, I'm assuming this might have been before it was all like online and very much uh, streamed online in, in terms of finding out family relationships. So you find out who you are in terms of ethnicity. And mm -hmm. when is it that then you begin to put pieces together about family and relationships? Well, what what cop when I when I received the results from Ancestry DNA, um, I. What I didn't realize was it, my results would connect me to others who shared DNA with me. I didn't realize that that was going to happen. So when I started reviewing my, my profile on Ancestry and I saw this list of people who shared DNA with me, I was quite shocked. <laughs> it was like, and surprise. So, yes. <laughs> and so I, I, the curious, curiosity got to me, so I started scrolling. And I started, you know, just, you know, a lot of the um, prof other profiles have photos and then they have names. And I started to notice a lot of French sounding names. And um, when I was in high school, I took two years of French. So I've always been fascinated by France and the language. So when I saw these French sounding names, I clicked on one of the profiles and I messaged, I messaged the person um, basically saying ancestry DNA indicates we are related. I'm not quite sure how would you like to discuss it? <laughs> and so I got, a, I received a reply from the daughter of the person who had submitted their DNA. Her name is Janine. And from that day on, um, I, I believe that same day she, she um, contacted me, we, we decided to talk on the phone. We talked on the phone for hours, and we've been in contact ever since. Now, so what did Ancestor DNA, how did they identify her to be one of your relatives? Like, what was her close relationship to you? 
she was listed as a fourth cousin, uh, but the that part wasn't what I had focused in on. It was more of her name because it sounded French, and I was curious. Just having that background of taking French and being fascinated by France and all—that sure. um, was what intrigued me. But she's a fourth cousin. And did she help unlock any other puzzles in this family history? Yes. So she started to uh, give me history. So Janine's mother, it was Janine's mother whose DNA profile I looked at, and Janine managed it. So when I talked to Janine on the phone, she started giving me all of this history of her mother's family being from Louisiana, a, a town called New Iberia, um, being related to a famous entertainer. Um, and she just went on and on and on. And I thought, you know, honestly, I thought, I don't believe a word this lady is saying because I didn't realize the power of DNA at the time, you know. And But I was still fascinated by what she said because she spoke with such passion, you know. So I continued to listen to her. And over time, um, I started, you know, um, at that point, I started a journal. And every time I would speak to someone, I would write notes. So over time, I would just put pieces and pieces together. And then I just started realizing um, there's a whole host of people and things that I didn't know, but I, I wanted to know about. So I just kept researching. I kept contacting people. And it just grew and grew and grew from there. And what was the most shocking discovery then that you found in this whole process? One of the one of my matches was listed as a first cousin in the first cousin range. It was a male, um, and so I messaged that person. Uh, um, and let me just say, my dad, when I was growing up, my dad never knew his father. So I only knew his mother's, his, his maternal side of the family. Um, but when I saw this first cousin match and I knew that it was a male and over time I had asked questions and I knew that he was in his 80s, um, he had a large family. And um, based on the names, I thought I found my father's paternal family. And I was so excited um, because... I was thinking to myself that I may be unlocking a mystery that my father has always tried and failed at. So I called my father and um, um, told him that I had been speaking with this match. They said if he did a DNA test, they would help me figure out which one of the family members might be his father, you know. So my dad agreed, and he did a DNA test through Ancestry. A few weeks later, his um, his his results came in, and I realized after um, opening his results that I wasn't listed on my dad's profile as a match. It was like a Maury Povich show. Yes, yeah, so. I, I I knew that you know if he was my father I should be the first person on his profile and that and I knew it should say parent child yes but I wasn't on his profile 
And then it dawned on me after getting over the shock of not seeing myself there that my dad wasn't my biological father. And that was something I never considered. I never thought it was a possibility. Nothing in my life ever made me feel like he was not my biological father. So needless to say, for the next two weeks, I cried every day. I was emotional wreck, an emotional wreck. Um, I, I, every time I thought about it, I would just cry. Because how could my dad, you know, here I am, 46. How could this, this man that I've called, that I've known to be my father, not be my father? So this opened up a whole um, unexpected journey. For sure. How did that change your relationship then with the man that you always called dad? Well, when I when I realized he wasn't my father, I didn't I didn't call him and and tell him <laughs> because first of all, I was still in shock. I couldn't believe what was happening. I I felt like I was dreaming. It didn't feel true. And so for months, I didn't even tell him at all. I didn't bring it up to him at all. I just kept trying to find more information. Um, but when I did get up the courage to, to kind of talk to him about it, um, the whole time I just cried during the whole conversation and neither of us knew. So he didn't know, I didn't know, but in the end, um, he just told me it doesn't matter. He said, you'll always be my daughter. It doesn't matter. That's what he told me. And so he still um, refers to himself as my dad. You know, he still refers to me as his sweetheart. <laughs> sure. For him, nothing is different. And would you say the same is true for you? Um, for me, um, I, well, in some ways, um, things are different. And in some ways, they still stay the same. Sure. Because I'm going to always love him. Um, my He was my dad 46 years as far as I was concerned, you know, and still is. And I'll always love him. But um, one thing growing up is there were many periods of time where he wasn't around. And I always felt that we didn't have a bond I always felt, you know, I have, you know, as I got older, I have friends who are male and I see their relationships with their daughters, you know, and they're so close and I didn't see those things growing up for me. And then I realized that there was miss, you know, I would look back on my childhood and realize that I was missing something, a closeness, a, a, a fatherly, a father daughter bond. I never felt I had that, but I always knew my father loved me. And so when this happened, I initially thought, um, it was, you know, when I realized that my dad wasn't my biological father, my initial thought was, I don't care who my real dad is. It doesn't matter because I have a mom and a dad 
and they both love me. That was my initial thought. But then after about two weeks, and I remember the day, it was um, January 2nd, 2017. I had woken up that morning. I sat up in my bed. I was in the room alone, but I sat up in my bed and I said, I'm going to find him, meaning I'm going to find my biological father. That person just weeks before, I said I didn't care if I found. But that morning I woke up and I all of a sudden wanted to find him. I, I wanted to know this other family. And so I started on my journey um, making contacts. I contacted the person who was administering that, that uncle. Well, later I learned he was a great uncle. That first cousin range. Um, and she put me in touch with a person um, who was later found to be one of my cousins and she put me in touch with someone in um, California um, who I ended up speaking to for a number of hours and this person had a lot of information on the family related to that first cousin match that that great uncle that I later discovered and so I asked him I said can you tell me what family members were in the Bay Area in California around 1969, you know, in the late 60s? And this was a large family. Um, so he just he just started rattling off all of these male cousins. Um, now, let me just back up. Um, since 2015, when I had met Janine, um, she had mentioned the name Broussard many times. And... From the period of 2015 to 2017, I had heard the name Broussard a lot in my research, and I had seen it a lot in my research. So when I was talking to this cousin in Bakersfield, one of the cousins that he mentioned had the last name Broussard. And I said, oh my gosh, tell me about him. And you know, my, my questions just kept going on and on for about five hours. I talked to this, this cousin, and... Um, I eventually asked, I said, do you think that this Mr. Broussard would agree to speak to me? Because I believe that he might be my father. And the reason I believe that is on Ancestry, I was relating to Broussard, which was the father, the paternal father of this Mr. Broussard that my cousin mentioned. And I was relating to people on his mother's side, the James family as well. And so um, some time had went by and that cousin um, provided my information to Mr. Broussard's sister and said with one of my photos, this young lady thinks that your brother is her father. So that was around Janu January 7th. So just a few days later, I, I heard a name, Broussard, and a potential father. And then um, a few days later, I had arrived at work, and my phone rang. It was a Saturday, and I noticed the area code was a Northern California phone number. And my heart started to race, because in my mind, I thought, maybe this is him. Maybe this is... 
this Mr. Broussard. And so I picked up my phone and it was him. The man I thought was my father had called me just days after I learned his name. And what does he say? How does he introduce himself? Well, he, he really didn't have to introduce himself because I knew right off the bat who he was. Um, but, uh, you know, we just greeted each other for the morning, you know, and then we, I talked about how we got to this point. Hi, my name is Annette. I um, have been researching my family and in doing so, I discovered my father was not who I thought it was. And I believe that you might be my biological father, basically. <laughs> and he said, um, he was quite shocked, um, but very kind. I, I remember him having such a kind voice, um, just a beautiful sounding voice. And he, 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 did, he said, I don't, I don't think that I'm your father, but um, why don't you tell me why you think so? And so I explained my story from him to him from 2015 to that point. Um, I talked about how I was connecting to his mother's family and his father's family. I confirmed with him that he was his, his parents only child, that he had no brothers. You know, I was trying to rule out any other potential, um, males that could have been, um, related to me. Um, but he was his parents' only child. He had no brothers. And so, you know, during that conversation, he just kept saying, could you tell me this story again? I must have told him the story four times. <laughs> They're very and, complicated stories, and you have to put yeah. all the pieces together. Even as I tell my story to people, it's yeah. very difficult for people to grasp the concept. And often mm -hmm. they'll think, like, my cousin that I found is actually my sister in the way in which they interpret the story. I'm like, no, 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 my mother had a sister. So it is a very complicated situation when people uh, aren't used to kind of hearing such stories. Yes, it was. And this is uh, years in the making. So sometimes it's, it's hard for me to kind of condense it <laughs> because there's so many pieces to it. And he was, he's an older man. So he, you know, this, this, this is a new um, area for him, you know, DNA and what does it all mean? And, you know, putting pieces together, it was all a new concept for him. So Yes, I explained it to him four times in detail. Sure. <laughs> and um, we we ended up talking um, for the first time um, uh, January 11, 2017. So you remember, it was January 2nd, 2017 when I said I was going to find him. And then by January 11th, I was talking to him on the phone. Oh, wow. This, I had no clue about and he had no clue about me um, but because I had kept notes all for all my conversations I was able to go back and put pieces together and it just seemed like whenever I would reach out to someone for help it was the right person was he um, was he receptive then after you shared the story did he kind of begin to understand well maybe this is a possibility then did he have any recollection of your mother or anything along those lines well, this this he did not have a recollection recollection of my mother. 
Um, but one amazing thing started to happen is um, that first, the first month that we talked, uh, we talked every day, sometimes two and three times a day. And we would just share our day with each other. And then I would share pieces of my life, you know, growing up. I would share, he would share pieces of his life. And we started to form a bond in that first month of just talking on the phone. And during that first month, I, I started to feel like I knew him already. And... During that first month, also, um, through this whole process, I would do these little videos for myself, you know, just um, videoing my experience and what I thought about it. A video journal, huh? Yes. And so I did a video within that first month, and I, in the video, I talk about how I felt like I knew this person already, how I felt this unusual closeness to him that I couldn't explain, and further in, within that month, in one of my videos, I say, I feel like I love him. And I thought I was crazy. <laughs> you already knew. Your yes. I, knew. I thought, why do I feel like I love this person that I've never met? And when I spoke to him, it was just, I never wanted the calls to end. You know, it was just this indescribable feeling um, like my heart or something deep inside me knew that there was a really deep connection with this person that I did not know at the time. For about a month then, you were talking on the phone, as you said, every day. Every day. Your heart grew very fond for, for this man who you believed was your father. At yes. what point then did you meet him and what was that experience like when you met face to face and maybe embraced and hugged for the first time and, and shared uh, life's moments in person together? Well, um, during that first month, I asked him um, a couple of times if he would be willing to do a DNA test outside of Ancestry. Um, to make a long story short, he agreed. So I made the arrangements. Um, we both did DNA tests through DNA Diagnostic Center within days of one another. And when the results came back, um, I called him. Oh, I was so nervous. I knew when my phone chimed, it was the, the results. But I want to tell you, when I, when I got the results, I immediately called him. I couldn't stop shaking. And I remember being so happy. Um, I called him and I, and I said, Mr. Broussard, I got the results. And then... Um, he was a little quiet, and I said, congratulations, you're the proud father of a five foot six, 160-pound baby girl or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he was quiet. It seemed like forever. Speechless, <laughs> and yeah. I, yeah, and then I thought, is he crying? <laughs> and I say that because just days before we got our results, he told me, he said, I've grown so fond of you. He says, I've been really enjoying our conversations every day. He says, if that DNA test says that I'm not your father, he says, I'm going to adopt you. Mm. <laughs> and so he actually said that two times that week before we got our results. And when he would say that, I would, my, I would, I remember I would get teary eyed 
because I felt the same way. I felt I really wanted it to be him. And it was. And it was. And so when I told him, he says, <laughs> when I told him, uh, you're the proud father of this five foot six baby girl. He says, Oh my gosh. He goes, I'm going to have to have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason that's funny is because he, he doesn't drink alcohol. Okay. <laughs> and neither, neither do I. And so he jokes, he's like, I'm going to have to have a drink. And then he says, Oh my gosh. He says, wait till I tell Gia. He, well, he has two daughters. He had gotten married years ago and had two daughters. And he says, wait till I tell them that they have a sister. <laughs> he says, oh, gosh. And he was so happy. I could just feel his joy over the phone. So the news and, was relayed on the phone. And then yes. when did you get together? Where and maybe where? And what did you do? Yes. And what was that interaction like? Okay, so... Um, yes, I was born and raised in California, but and I but in 2016 I moved to Texas um, with my company. I had worked for a company um, for many many years, and um, so I lived in Texas when all of this was happening. And he was in Northern California, <laughs> and. Um, during that first month, one of the conversations we had is if the DNA test results show that you're my father, I'm going to book a flight and I'm going to come see you. And so that's exactly what I did. I immediately booked the flight from Texas to California. And within two weeks, I pulled into the, you know, flew into the uh, Oakland airport. And I had made arrangements with my biological father, Mr. Broussard. Um, he, he had made arrangements that he would pick me up and that I could stay with him. <laughs> and I know that probably sounds weird <laughs> that I would agree to stay with this person that I didn't know, <laughs> that I never met, that just said, he, you know, just found out he's my biological father. And it probably seems very strange, but, um, I knew that one of his daughters lived with him and I had spoken with his girlfriend and a really lovely woman. Um, and so I knew that the two of them would pick me up from the airport. And so I felt safe. You know, I, I'm, I'm normally, you know, a very cautious person. But in this situation, I felt like it would be okay to stay with him while I visited and while we met. So I, I remember being in the airport. And as I'm walking to baggage claims, I started to cry. And um, I got to baggage claims, and as I'm waiting for my luggage, I get a call, and it was my biological father's girlfriend. She says, I'm inside the airport. I'm inside baggage claims. I'm looking for you. And so I wiped my eyes, and I turned around with the phone up to my ear, and I looked around and just kind of scanned the area, and I saw her. I knew it was her. She had the biggest, brightest, be most beautiful smile you'd ever see, and she was holding the phone to her ear, and I knew it was her, and we locked eyes, and we walked toward each other. We we greeted each other with hugs, and she said, your, your, your father, she said, your father is outside. He's just driving around the airport. He's going to swing back around and pick us up, and so we went outside, and 
he she said there he is <laughs> he pulls up and I I I didn't cry um I wasn't afraid I was a little nervous um but I wasn't it felt normal nothing felt odd but I could tell he was nervous when I got in the car we greeted each other I was in the back seat and um I was nervous but his girlfriend was um, kind of like a blessing in the situation because she just kind of kept the conversation flowing. It was dark and um, nighttime, and I later learned my biological father. Um, he he has a he can't hear very well sometimes, and so he didn't really talk a lot in the car because he couldn't hear. And so um, when we got to his house, you know, he wanted to show me around. He has a really nice house. And it, it wasn't like I thought it would be. <laughs> I thought it would be like, you know, we would hug each other and we would just um, say, you know, you know, I just, it just wasn't what I thought. So I got to his house and we, um, he showed me around and we just had small talk. It was a lot of small talk. Um, and it was late. It was really late, probably after 12 o'clock. And so um, we just had a lot of small talk at first, and then we went to bed. <laughs> and I remember going into my room. He, the room that he had prepared for me, um, he put pillows all on the bed, and there was lots of stuffed animals in there. And he just made extra, made it extra comfortable with um, blankets and lots of pillows. And I just thought it was really sweet. And he had a card. Um, there was a card there for me. And um. That first day, it was, I would say, more of us being nervous. Sure. But as time went on, um, we um, realized we had a lot in common. Um, we had a lot of the same habits, a lot of the same interests, just so much um, in common. Uh, I remember the next morning when I woke up, um, I looked through the door and I could see him in the living room and he was opening the curtains to let the sunshine in. And I thought, wow, that's the first thing I do when I wake up every morning. I, I wake up and then I open the curtains and the blinds to let the sunshine in. Um, so just, it was just, I would say that first visit again was just, us being nervous and thinking, um, it just seemed like a dream. That's it. Just seemed like a dream, mostly. And now it's gone on for three years. It's the dream that never ends. It's a new reality. It's your life that he's yes. your father. And as you said in that Facebook post that I saw, that you have been inseparable ever since. Yes. And uh, yes. and so I guess. Going back to my original question, my mind when I saw that. So what does it mean that you're inseparable? What are some of the things that you've done now in this three years of this father-daughter relationship? Well, because I was in Texas and he was in California, I would book trips to, to California like every three months. <laughs> I was always journeying back to California to spend time with him. And when I would come home, I, I call California home. When I would fly home, I would always stay with him. And whenever I would visit, he always made plans for us to do things together. 
um, attend, um, you know, parties of his friends or um, he would invite family members over to meet me. He would invite his invite his friends over to meet me. Um, he would just make every visit special. Um, just and so you know, we just started developing this bond. Um, I remember one of the visits we went to a picnic in Hayward, and there had to be hundreds of people at this picnic, and they had a music playing, lots of food. And I remember a song came on, and then the two of us just got up and started dancing. <laughs> and then um, his girlfriend was with us, and the three of us were just dancing, and it was such a great time. I, I found that he loves to dance just as much as I do. And he loves music just as much as I do, a lot of the same types of music. And the more we spent time together, you know, during my visits, the more we realized we were so much alike. Um, and we just developed this bond. We're still bonding. Um, we would still talk every day. So the first, the first year and a half, we talked every day, one, two, or three times a day. The first year and a half, we we had um, known each other, and it was it just became a matter of us, you know, visiting whenever I could, and us spending as much time together as we could, and we've just gotten really close as a result of that. I never get sick of being around him, mm. and he never gets sick of being around me and we just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and we just never get sick of each other <laughs> it's kind of it's fun it's, it's such really a beautiful fun. story and uh how you come to know each other in three years and how you've made memories already and how there are so many more memories to be made together now, maybe to walk back just a little bit, you talked about your your the man that you called your father all throughout your life and yes. and then that discovery. So now yes. that you've found your biological father, how does he feel about this discovery for you? I, I'm sure that he's probably very happy for you to actually have these answers and to know uh, to know the truth uh, of everything. Well, that's the thing, you know. Um, I've always said that I don't feel embarrassed about this. Finding out that my father is someone else after believing another man was my father has not been embarrassing for me. And I love my mother more than anybody. Um, I'm a mother myself and I know we're not always perfect. So um, everything about this has been great and wonderful. But the hardest part for me was how it impacted my old father because he, um, it's almost like he doesn't want to believe it's true. Mm. Um, and so, um, it's really difficult for me to talk to him about it. Sure. I, I talked to him about it that one time because I kept feeling like I needed to tell him the truth. Sure. Um, and he says, honey, why are you saying this? Um, why do you keep saying that I'm not your father? And after that, I just don't, I don't even bring it up. Sure. Totally <laughs> understandable. Um, now because he doesn't 
want to believe it. And so why change it? Sure. Have your have your children then met their new grandfather? Yes. Okay. Um, my so I have three children. I have I have three, uh, two boys and a girl. And right now, my oldest son will be thirty one this month. My youngest son is twenty eight, and my daughter is twenty two. Um, but this all happened in um, 2017. So my oldest son and my daughter met my biological father in 2017 during one of my visits. Okay. Um, but most of my initial visits with him were just me and him, not my kids, um, because... We both were shocked by this. Sure. <laughs> he didn't know he had a daughter that, um, a 40, he, he didn't know he had a 46-year-old daughter. <laughs> and I don't know that he, my father was someone else. So we were both very shocked by this. So in those initial visits, we, it was just the two of us. And a lot of times his girlfriend would be with us. And were She's, his... Were his children receptive to your entry into the family then? Uh, <laughs> so when he when he sat them down and and talked to them about it, he was with his girlfriend, and they both um, told my sisters to come to the house. He had some news to tell tell them, and he joked. He said first he said um, he told them that his girlfriend was pregnant. <laughs> sure. But yeah, as a joke, and then they were like, "Stop playing!" They're like, "Dad, what's what's going on?" You know. And so he says, um, "I was contacted by this young lady, and turns out that she's my daughter. <laughs> Basically, you have a sister, and she's forty six, and she lives in Texas, and she has three kids. And at first, they thought he was joking." But then um, they realized he was serious. And um, one of them called me. Um, one of the sisters called me. And um, she she was just so kind and sweet. And we talked for hours on the phone, that first contact. And they were receptive. Um, I think the, the older sister was um, more open I think the younger sister was cautious, you know, more cautious because she's so protective of our father, you know. And who is this 46-year-old woman coming into our lives saying that she's, our, you know, a part of our family? Sure. And, and what is her intention? <laughs> so um, I think the younger sister at first was um, a bit... Um, protective of our father but then when we met I think she saw that and I think she even mentioned to me she saw that um, I was a genuine person and that she knew that her father would be okay um, in this this new endeavor so she, they both um, have been really open and getting to know me and um, we have spent time together you know talking about different things and um, it's just been really incredible. Um, when I was a young girl, I used to always wish to have sisters. I used to always tell my mom, I want sisters. 
have more sisters and little did I know, you know, all those times of me, um, you know, hoping for sisters, my wish had come true. I just didn't know <laughs> at the time um, and that many years later I would find them. So for me, it was pretty beautiful to 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 know that they're they're really beautiful girls, and I have characteristics in common with them and interests in common with them. It's like I we just knew each other already, in in a lot of ways. Sure. Well, well, that's such a beautiful story that you've shared today, and I'm so happy that we were able to talk. That you made that post, I saw it. That I reached out. That you agreed, because I think your story is a very beautiful story uh, to be the very first one shared on this new podcast, DNA Discovery. So, uh, thank you so much for your openness of sharing your life. Your story mm-hmm. will help others in their search as they find the family that they never knew they had. So, thank you so much. When when I when I just wanted to say when this incident um, came about and I learned my father to be someone else, I felt my whole world was over. You know, I felt my life was over. But as time went on, I realized the beauty in this story, and um, I just have two dads, and um, I love them both. And I'm really enjoying this journey. Um, and I do want to say, um, since I've met my new dad, I've met over 300 new relatives. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I continue to still meet relatives um, almost monthly. And so it's just been a really incredible journey. And I would say for anyone who is looking for their their either biological mother or biological father, Uh, No matter how your story started, um, you're in charge of how it ends. You're in charge of how you feel. And uh, I would just say never give up because miracles happen every day. A miracle happened to me and it can happen to you too. A very beautiful and touching story. Today on DNA Discoveries, we've been talking with Annette Broussard Boyd, who shared her discovery that her father that she knew was not her father and how she came to discover and find her biological father, a very touching and a heartwarming story that we've just heard today. I hope that you'll subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform that you listen on, that you'll rate it, that you'll review it, that you'll share it on social media so that your friends and family might also know these heartwarming stories and be touched and inspired by them as well. Stay tuned for another episode coming soon of DNA Discoveries, Stories of Finding Family.